Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Let's hear it for the man band one more time. One of the things the Lord has laid on my heart, I've actually had several prophetic words about it, is to start doing some kind of rallies strategically across the country. And I'm not, you know, whatever the Lord wants to do with it, fine. I'm not looking for numbers, but if we could have a couple hundred, two, three hundred men and their children, probably fathers and sons, but we'll see how it would develop. And again, I've had some pretty strong prophetic words about this. And recently, this guy who's a coach and a prophet in my life, he kind of rebuked me and he said, look, Gary, you can do a lot of things that a lot of people can't do, but there's only a few things that can be prophetically spoken to. And somehow I I need to simplify my life. I'm involved in so many different things. Um, I'm an adjunct professor and all kind of stuff. And I just need to simplify my life. I used to have this plethora of assistants, personal assistants, secretaries. And five years ago this past December, I turned the church over to one of my spiritual sons. And it's a big church then. And COVID, like all churches, has cut it more than in half. Let's shut the doors out there, please. Um, Thank you. And uh, I forgot where I was going. (laughs) Yeah, I just need to simplify. Thanks, Dave. You're rebuking me, too. In love. Uh, In love. (laughs) And uh, so I, I just ask you to pray for me because it's in my heart to travel around strategically, and I really think it'll be bigger than a couple hundred people, and first-class sound system and the whole beeswax and some powerful interviews, probably done on film with some real good interviewer. You know, this is Dave Reese, blah, blah, blah. Dave, what was your relationship with your father like? What's a painful memory you had? How did God help you to overcome that? Because this is a big issue. And, And if I do it in this area, I'm going to recruit this man band. I mean, honestly, guys, I'm in a different church, a different gig all the time, and they're tight. They're good. They're just flat out good. Let's clap for them one more time. (laughs) Don't let that go to your head or you'll get the curse of the Philistines. Do you know what that is? Bleeding hemorrhoids. It is. The pastor will tell you about it. <laughs> Woo! It's great to be a dude. Okay, guys, let's pray the preacher doesn't preach too long. Shut up. Don't say amen right there. Let me review a little bit for those who weren't here last night. This idea of the warrior series 
there are certain aspects of God's character and nature, his intrinsic value that he's created us to reflect. And I believe that a man, this is in no way diminishing womanhood, this is no way con condescending to uh, womanhood, but I believe a man reflects the character nature of God the best. And the Bible says that our God is a warrior. If you got the packet of three notes, you can see that scripture from Exodus 15 in the first message. In the Old Testament, there's about 20 different compound names. Not all of them are compound names. About 20 different names that tell us what God is like. Uh, El Roi, the God who sees. And uh, he saw Ishmael and his mother, and they were starving and ran out of food and water, and they were by a bush somewhere in a desert area. And God appeared to them as El Roi, the God who sees. And God who sees, he sees what you go through. One of the tricks of the enemy when you go through a trial and a tribulation is, it's like nobody knows what I'm going through. God does. If you're in prison, he sees. And on and on and on. And it shows us what our God is like. Well, as men, we're supposed to show what God's like. He's a warrior. We fight for our sons and daughters. We fight for... Don't apologize for being a man. So if a man... If you take away a man's ability to fight, you emasculate him. You don't have to become a wuss to become a Christian. Jesus was a man's man. He worked with his hands. He worked with mortar and brick and timber and he walked he was strong he was muscular Jesus was a man's man and yet he was so tender there was something about him that children wanted to come and sit on his lap so you don't have to turn in your man card when you become an on-fire Christian you don't have to do that so that's what we talked about and you have to understand that first lesson to really get the rest of these lessons and so in this final session, I want to talk to you about being a distracted lawyer. Lawyer. <laughs> Dear Lord, I need to take another drink of the. Did you put espresso in this? <laughs> I want to talk to you about being a distracted warrior. There you go. I got it right. When we are doing something, all distractions happen when we are doing something. We are focused on something. We have a task at hand. We have a job that needs to get done. That's when distraction comes. I was at a fitness center uh, with my former youth pastor, who is now the lead pastor at Stone Creek Church. And he's, he's an incredible athlete. He He's done about 25 or more marathons. And what are these things where you swim and ride a bike and run a marathon? He's done those. Dear Lord, he's a crazy man. And he's done three century runs. He, the dude just finished running 100 miles in October. I think he's insane. I think he needs help. You know, he's got the bow-legged like the real good runners do. He's just lean and mean and tough. When you play basketball with him, you think, oh, I can push this guy around. No, he's like a steel pole. So we were at a fitness center one time, which you can tell I go to a whole lot, right? I mean, you can really. The only reason I'm doing this is because my leg hurts right now because you're off balance when you wear these stupid boots. But anyhow, um, 
And so, you know, I'm kind of watching the news. I got my earphones in, and, and, and he's kind of talking and looking around. He's a real social guy, and, and he gets distracted, and he wipes out on the machine that he's running on. And I mean, it's like one of those YouTube videos. He stretches out. He hits that thing. He bounces. And there were quite a few people in that fitness center, and everybody kind of stopped and paused. And he just took a bow. It was so funny. It was really, really funny. He got distracted. With that in mind, look at that passage, 1 John chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the, for everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever." Lord, bless this word. Let this be the icing on the cake in this wonderful men's conference in Jesus' name. Amen, guys? So what is a distracted warrior? It's someone who abandons his heavenly post in pursuit of an earthly kingdom. Holy smokes. That's what a distracted man is. That's what a distracted heavenly soldier is. That's what a distracted warrior is. They abandon their heavenly post because they are pursuing an earthly kingdom. The Apostle Paul told young Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.4, no one serving as a soldier. Everybody say soldier. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a soldier in the Lord's army. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. The number one tactic of the devil in your life and my life is to distract us from our heavenly post, our heavenly responsibility. And one of the ways he does that in a man's life, he gets you to start questioning, he causes you to focus on God's boundaries instead of God's blessings. Oh, why can't I do this? Why can't I only have sex with one woman? I mean, what's the deal? Why can't I look at pornography? You know, my, I'm married, my wife and I, we can look at pornography together. Dude, you can look at one naked person, one naked woman, and that's your wife. That's it. And one of the ways that God gets men distracted is we start looking at his boundaries. Why do, why do I have to pay my tithes? I mean, I'm working hard, and, and, and how's God? I can't even make it now if I give 10. We start looking at his boundaries, and it gets us distracted. There, are, there certainly are subtle and deadly distractions for all warriors. 1 John 2.16 for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of 
the world. How many know the devil's been around a long time? Did you know that Satan was one of God's archangels? Did you know that? Did you know that he was around the throne of God? And no time in eternity, but in our understanding, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every month, every year, continually, he was one of the creature, create, creations of God, creatures of God that worshipped him throughout eternity. Jesus saw him fall. Isaiah told us this, that Jesus saw Satan fall. We read about him in the Bible the first time in the form of a serpent in Genesis chapter 3. Now, I'm not a zoologist, and I don't know who people are who study snakes, some kind of ologist. But I learned that serpents have no eyelids. You know what that means? That means they never blink. You take a picture you know, of your family and friends and your wife's in it, and before you can post it, she has to look at it. Take another one. I look chubby in that one. Okay, baby, I'll take another one. A serpent has no eyelids. There's no blinking. In other words, a serpent is always watching. They're smooth. They're stealth. They're cunning. Our great adversary, the devil, will use the lust of the flesh to distract us. And we all know what the lust of the flesh is. It's sexual lust. Write that in there. I'm just here to tell you Jesus cares about your sex life. He cares about this area of your life, and he wants to help you. The trouble with us men is that we are most tempted in this sexual area when we feel like failures. When we don't feel like we're making any, any significant contribution in life, we don't feel like our life is making a difference, we don't find fulfillment in our work, that's when the devil really begins to work on us in this area. Some of the greatest warriors for God who have ever lived have had to fight these battles. In fact, one of them's in the Old Testament. He's described as a man after God's very own heart. He was a tremendous king. He was a fantastic warrior. We talked a little bit about him last night. It was King David. You can read his story. It's very, very pointed what happens. In one verse, 2 Samuel chapter 11, in the springtime when kings are off to war, David stayed in Jerusalem. It was written in the spring of the year. It happened in the spring of the year. And King David should have been at war. But what did he do? He was distracted. He abandoned his, his post. He pursued the things of this world. He stayed behind and he lost his focus. In other words, he was not where he was supposed to be. And because of that, he saw something he was not supposed to see, which led him to think something he was not supposed to think, which led him to do something that he was not supposed to do, which led him to lose something that he was not supposed to lose. Why? 
because he was not where he was supposed to be. He abandoned his heavenly post and he pursued something deadly and dangerous and destructive. And what happened? It all came down to the lust of the flesh. Let me just tell you guys, proximity has a lot to do with staying sexually pure. That's why I'm against young Christian collegiates and singles clubbing. Because when you go into that club, it is filled with lust. I don't care if you just read your Bible and prayed that day for 60 minutes. I, I preached in Christian colleges all over America, theological institutions all over the world. And when I start preaching holiness, these guys and gals will come up to me and, well, I'm a spirit-filled Christian and I go clubbing. I like line dancing. I'm like, do you have problems with lust? Don't lie to me. God will strike you dead. <laughs> Well, yeah. And I've been trying to get free from it. Stay out of the clubs. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good, but man, the preacher is preaching good right there whether you like it or not. If you are not near it, it will not have the opportunity to have access in your life. Did you know there are two type of women mentioned in the Bible? In the book of Proverbs, one is the woman of wisdom. Oh, man, my wife is wise. Man, I can just start naming to you the different food dishes that she creates magically on our electric stove. It's just wonderful. If you've ever seen a baby born, you know, oh, God, thank you for making me a man. One is a woman of wisdom and the other one is the woman of lust. And both of them are talking to us. Both of them are making promises to us. Lust will do the exact opposite. Exact opposite of what wisdom does. So the quality of our life is dependent upon which one we get to know and which one we listen to. Young man, if you have a problem with lust, all you got to do is be careful with the proximity. Be careful with the proximity. Be careful with the... We make fun of legalistic Christians, but we've gone the other route in the Western world. We're too liberal now. Your pastor preaches on holiness, but most churches in the Western world... Christians just go to church for an hour and live the way they want to live and nobody knows they're different. Without holiness, no man will see the Lord. And that's not just when you die. But unsaved people, if you don't live a holy life, they're not going to see anything different about you. Well, that's what you believe, but that's not what I believe. I could really preach a long time right here, but... I prayed that the preacher wouldn't be long-winded today. And God answers my prayers. Sometimes no. <laughs> so the Apostle John, in this text, also says it's not only to get possible to be distracted through sexual lust, but also through the lust of the eyes, which is material lust. 
I read a story about a Russian writer. He wrote this little short story, Leo Tolstoy. And he wrote about a, a pheasant farmer, or pheasant farmer. Man, I went from lawyer to pheasants. What did you put in this stuff, Dave? Uh, about a peasant farmer, and he was not satisfied with what he had. And he wanted more of everything. And one day he received this amazing offer for a thousand uh, rubles. He could buy all the land he could walk around in one day. And the only catch in the deal was he had to be back at the starting point by sundown. So early the next morning he starts off walking and by midday he's tired but he keeps going and he's covering more and more ground so he begins to run and the sun starts sinking below the horizon and and, and he sees the finish line and he has to really pick up his pace and he's gasping for breath and his heart's pounding and he, he just calls upon every bit of strength that he can muster in his body and he staggers across the finish line and then the sun goes down. He collapses, blood streaming out of his mouth and in a few minutes he's dead. And people take him away, they dig a grave it was about six feet long and about three feet wide. And the title of this Russian writer's short story was, How Much Land Does a Man Need? How much stuff, dude, do you need? The simple lesson in this is when it comes to being distracted by material lust, we've got to control that stuff or it will control us. A man can come up with money to buy a motorcycle, but he can't tithe. He can't give to missions. I'm an outdoorsman. I like to hunt and fish, and a man can come up with money for boats and pontoon boats, and, and I hunt with night scopes now. I saved for five years to buy night scopes, and it is so much fun. I go out by myself, and and in one set, I'm bragging now, I shot three coyotes in the pitch black with these night scopes. And I, I set my call out there, and there's one way out there about 450 yards, and I'm watching him. And I, I have a night scope on my gun, and I have a night scope I wear around my neck. And I'm looking at that guy, and then I'm going like this. And, and all of a sudden, here comes two running right by me. So I put it down, I scope up, I'm standing up, and I shoot one on the run. I shoot the other one on the run. And then that guy, this one started yipping because I wounded him, and that one came into 255 yards, and I'm like, eh, I'll give it a shot, and I got him. I got three dogs in one set. Yeah, baby, a solo set. So then I measured them because I have a rangefinder on there. The first one I shot at 89 yards, the next one at 204 yards, and the one setting at 255 yards. Yeah, baby! And the next night, I missed one at 43 yards. God has a way of keeping us humble. If you've ever played golf, you know what I'm talking about. When is enough enough, guys? I mean, you say, well, well preacher, I'm poor. Eh. Some of the places I've been in the world, you're rich. You're in the top 5% of the, the, the richest people on the planet. If you own your own house and your own car, you're top 5% of the world's population of rich. If you own two cars, you're the top 3%. I don't say that to make you feel guilty. I'm just trying to help you not to become distracted. 
That's all I'm trying to do. To help you to be a focused warrior that gets the job done that God's called you to do. And John said in 1 John 2 that we can be distracted through pride, the pride of life, self-made pride. The trouble with pride, it always leads to rebellion. What's the center letter of pride? I. What's the center letter of sin? What's the center letter of lie? Someone said, wherever there's an I, there's always a lie. And I told you the truth about killing three in one night. I didn't lie on that one. Isaiah 14 tells this story of the fall of Lucifer, of Satan. And in the text, it uses the phrase where Lucifer says five times, I will. What is it that God had that Lucifer wanted so bad? It was independence. And that's what sin is. It's independence from God. That's what pride is. It's trying to go through life on my own. I ran across the quote, God sends no one away empty except those who are full of themselves. You ever met some dude that was full of himself? My son's in San Diego, California. He's a pastor out there. And he's, he's really an observant kid. He, he can get a vision and keep the organization on vision. He's just an amazing kid. It amazes me God uses him, though. <laughs> you know, he, he's, a, he's a phlegmatic sanguine who happens to be a leader, Pastor Brian. You know what I'm talking about. It. You know, he's a golden retriever, a sea otter. He likes everybody. Everybody likes him. His purpose in life is to have fun. And it's like, okay, God, those people make organizations feel good, but they can't grow an organization. But he can. It's just crazy to me. It's like God has a sense of humor. I don't tell my son this. I hope he doesn't listen to this. But it's like, wow, if God can use him, God can use anybody. And when he first went there, I said, well, son, you've lived there about a year or so. What's your assessment of California people? He said, Dad, they all think they're better than they really are. All the sports teams think they're better than they are. All the business people, all the preachers think they're better than they are. But I love it here. I'm paying for the sunshine. I said, shut up. I'm not going to tell you what the temperature is. We are the only created entity of God that questions his boundaries. A cat doesn't get mad at God and say, why don't you make me a dog? They should. A cow doesn't get mad and say, why did you make me a horse? Listen, you know what God's concerned about men? He's more concerned about our obedience than he is our opinions. So the solution to being a distracted warrior, fill it in, is to just simply focus on Jesus. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, we focus on Jesus. We look away from all things that distract us to Jesus. I don't know if that's in your notes or not, but write that reference down, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, and circle that and read it and meditate it. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, of our faith, focus on Jesus. Why? Because whatever we focus on, that's what expands. That's what grows. Let me say it again. You might want to write that down. Whatever we focus on, that's what expands, and that's what grows. That's why we stay focused on Him. 
And then his influence becomes evident in our lives. We don't focus on our problems, our weaknesses, our past, our failures. Every time the devil gets you to look at your past, look at your future that you have in Jesus and focus on him. King David was supposed to be at war, but he saw Bathsheba. He gave in to the lust of the flesh. His life fell apart. He had one of his most trusted warriors killed. And the first baby born to David and Bathsheba died. And David covered it all up one day. And Nathan the prophet comes to David, tells him this story about two men. One was poor and one was rich. And the rich man had a bazillion sheep. But he sees the poor man's one sheep and steals it from him and kills it. And David is like super ticked off. And he wants the rich guy to pay for his crime. He wants the rich dude to die. And Nathan looks at David. And I have an idea that Nathan was a wiry, old, fuzzy-faced, bearded prophet with a long, crooked finger. And he says to David, do you see this in your notes in 2 Samuel 12, 7? Behold, you are the man. I like the King James here. It says, behold, thou art the man. In the Hebrew language, that is ish. It's also in the end of your notes. If you forget everything else I've said, would you remember that? Atta Ish. You are the man. God created you to be a warrior. You have a heavenly cause, a heavenly assignment. And I'm asking you not to abandon your post, but to become everything that God has called you to become. Stay focused. Do not blow it through the lust of the flesh. Do not blow it through the pride of life. Do not blow it through the lust of the eyes. If you have, then Jesus can redeem you and save you by his blood. I pray that God would say those words over you in the right way. Atta ish. They would have a different meaning than what they have here. You're the man that stole the one sheep. But I would say you would hear God's voice say to you, Brother Dave, you demand. Nate, right? Nate? You demand. Pastor Brian, you demand. Do you know your neighbor's name? If you don't know your neighbor's name, ask your neighbor what their first name is right now. Ask them if you don't know your neighbor's name. What's your first name? What's your first name? Now I want you to point at your neighbor and I want you to say, Ataish. Now I want you to interpret and say, You demand. That's the truth. Remember our Ezekiel 22, 30 verse last night, one of the saddest verses in the Bible. God's looking for a man and he didn't find any. He found Zero, Nada, Ned, none. God's always looking for men of integrity, men of valor, men of strength, men of courage, men of endurance who will do the right thing, whose word is their bond. They cannot be bought. They'll rise above the lower things of this world. And that's why I asked you last night to cross out 
the end. And I'm asking you to do it again today in this closing session. Cross out the end there in Ezekiel 22:30, And then write out the word one. God's looking for a man, a warrior. And he found one. And it's you. Would you be the warrior that God has called you to be? I'm going to ask the man band to come back. I love that. You know, Dave played in our man band at our man cave. We had about 150 to 200 men on Wednesday nights. We fed them every week. We had a group of men. It was a big budget item. It was huge. That's where you got all these videos. I sent them to Pastor Brian. I like the one where the black guy's dancing, saying, I got a woman. That's my favorite one, man. That's my favorite one in there. We had so much fun in those days, didn't we, Dave? Just a great time. You can do these discussion questions. I'm going to leave this up to Pastor Brian's discretion and leading. But what are the top three things that distract you from living the life you want to live? What is it? What is it? What is it, guys? How can you overcome those distractions? Get out of the proximity. Get away from the stuff. Be as specific as you can. Read 1 John 5, 1 through 5. What do those verses mean to you? You can maybe do that on your own. I'm just going to leave that up to Pastor Brian's discretion later. But we have something for you. See this? We're going to go through axes this afternoon. We're going to be men. One of my 16-year-old granddaughters, you know, when you go to these uh, video places now, they have axe-throwing things, and it's plastic, and it kind of sticks in that stuff. Have you seen that? Well, we've got 11 in our family, and my California 16-year-old granddaughter, she beats all of us throwing to the axe. It's an insult to my manhood. I'm not saying you got to be macho to be a Christian man, but stop apologizing for being a man, would you? Be the warrior God created you to be. Be angry and sin not. Well, we shouldn't, didn't get angry. Well, you might as well die and go to heaven then. You're going to get angry throughout this life. The attacks the devil puts on your marriage, on your children, on your church. Jesus got angry. That's my favorite story in the New Testament. You ever been to one of those places like Silver Dollar City where these dudes work with leather, smells good, smells manly? When I was a kid, there were only two types, basically, of cologne. Old Spice and the one that smelled like leather. I can't think of the name of it. English leather, that's it. Come on. Man, I'll never forget the day my dad let me put on English leather. I felt like a stud. As a man. I want you to think about it. Are you willing to be the warrior that God's called you to be to reflect that character trait of God? Be committed, be dedicated, read your Bible, 
well, you miss a day once in a while. Yeah, we're not legalistic about that. You're a preacher. You're ordained. I'm a preacher. I'm ordained. Once in a while, I miss reading my Bible. Yep, for sure. But that doesn't mean I'm a bad person. Doesn't mean I'm backslidden. Man, some days I'll spend a half a day reading the Bible, studying the Bible. I'm more consistent than I am inconsistent. Yeah. That's the key, guys. Just be consistent. Some days at work, you're really flowing and you're doing good. Other days, it's like, dear Lord, I'll be glad when this day is over. But you're consistent, right? You're there. That's why you get a paycheck. That's the way the Christian life is. We're not asking you to be perfect. There's only one perfect person that ever lived, and that's Jesus. Now, being imperfect is not an excuse for sin. Well, you know, you got to sin a little bit every day. Oh, shut up. We should not sin, but if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. I don't believe in eternal security, and neither do I believe in hyper-Armenianism. Every time you say a bad word, you're backslidden. You've never cussed. Liar. <laughs> Not today. Not today, so far. So far. <laughs> I, I'm not saying you should cuss. You ought to clean your language up. We've really gotten loose with the English language in the church. I know preachers that cuss from the pulpit at funerals. Why? Why do you have to do that? You trying to impress somebody? Don't do that. I'll rebuke you. I mean, I, it just makes me mad. But I'm asking you to be a man. I'm asking you to be a warrior for God. With all your imperfections, with all your distractions, with your wounds. God's given you one life. Only what's done for Christ is what's going to last. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10.